Well, hey, folks, Ty from BreakerCulture.com. This is episode 33 of Breaker Culture Weekly. Thank you so much for joining today. Hope you're, you're kicking off your week nicely and coming off a nice weekend. Uh, so here's the deal. Today's a little bit of a different episode. Um, you're going to notice pretty quickly as you're listening to the interview with Doug at Mojo Break, which consumes the first half of this episode, that about seven minutes in, uh, Shani is texted from his wife and from one of his cousins that there's an active shooter at one of the Jewish synagogues around the corner from his house in Squirrel Hill. Uh, for those who don't know, uh, Shani and his family are Jewish, and uh, we talk a lot about that in multiple episodes, and um, we've learned a lot about Jewish culture just from things that uh, Shani has mentioned. But this this shooting is literally happening uh, right at the, the beginning of our podcast, and he gets texted, and he drops what he's doing, stops the interview, and says, guys, I got to go. I got to go, go see what's going on at the synagogue. I mean, it's literally hundreds of yards away from his house. He wanted to check on his family. And so you'll hear that moment. Um, and it obviously, it flusters Doug and I a bit. We don't, it, it's kind of hard to respond to something like that because we don't really know the situation. But I wanted to keep everything in its entirety so you could hear it. And so you can hear the continued conversation between Doug and I. Uh, we kind of have that conversation ongoing for about 40 minutes. And then uh, a couple days later, so today, I wanted to bring Shani back on the show and allow you to hear kind of the firsthand account of what happened when he arrived at the scene and uh, how he dealt with it um, with his family, how he processed things. And uh, it's, it's really, I think it's really important because we've all, we've obviously all grown to love and appreciate Shani. And uh, it's important for you to know really what he was going through and what the community in general uh, is going through right now. And, and he has a lot of really good insight. And uh, in fact, Shani, it's kind of cool. Shani, um, shani has been interviewed by multiple news sources since that Saturday morning incident and uh, has appeared on MSNBC and I think is going to be appearing on a few of their affiliates over the next couple of days, maybe even the Today Show, which is crazy. And he's well-spoken and eloquent. And I think it's great for his community to have have him uh, talking about the situation and, and uh, uh, giving his advice and, and uh, sharing some wisdom. So listen closely. First half of the interview with Mojo Break and Doug. Great insight from Doug. Doug's awesome to talk to. Some really good stuff on the product side. Really good stuff on what's happening um, behind the scenes as they break down stuff internally and process and and uh, ship and, and market. A lot of good learnings for you and, and uh, lifting back the covers a bit on one of the biggest breakers in the industry. And then the second half of the interview is with Shani and talking about what happened on Saturday, um, October 27th. Uh, so thank you so much for joining the show. Enjoy. Doug, what's going on, man? How you doing? Not much. Uh, just hanging out. Thanks for having me on the show, guys. Yeah, no problem. Man. Well, it, we've been trying to do this for quite some time, so I know it, it resorted to you having to get in your car at 7 a.m. on a Saturday morning to make this work. So <laughs> I love it. I wouldn't have it any other way. <laughs> First right. of all, we've got to uh, give you a, a nice little happy belated anniversary. We you know that last weekend you were in Vegas with your wife for your anniversary. Congrats. Oh, thank you. Thank you. How many years you is that? Fun. Uh, uh, fifth year. We've we've uh, been going out for almost ten, uh, nine years, but f five year anniversary. So yeah, it was it was awesome. It was a great time to get away. Did you win big in Vegas? Uh, you know, I won uh, five hundred dollars on poker. All, That's pretty uh, good. No limit. Um, you know, at night. So that was about the only gambling I got to do. Wife went to bed. I was like, hey, I'm gonna sneak downstairs, and I got down. Uh, got down on some poker. It's so funny, Doug. I've been to Vegas with my wife a handful of times in our mo is 
that I'll wake up early in the morning and get to the tables. And usually there's not really much of a game in the morning, but I'll, I'll find something. Right, exactly. Then, then we'll get together for lunch and kind of hang out after lunch and do some things and then kind of go freshen up, get to dinner, have go to a show. And then by the time she's in bed, probably a little bit before midnight, I'm hitting the poker tables until about four or five in the morning. It, yep, and then do it all again. That sounds exactly like my story. <laughs> Where did you play, by the way? Uh, MGM. That's a good room. Yeah, it wasn't bad. You know, I mean, there was a lot of um, a lot of people were kind of playing uh, a little scared. So I got to tell you, that's I think I, that's how I got up to five hundred. I was just I was playing every hand. So not I, that uh, easy to get to five hundred playing one two, or were you playing two five? Uh, one two, one two, no limit. Hey, that's that means you got some skill, man. Yeah, it, yeah, I, I don't play all the time, but I brought it out. You know, I brought it out for that night, so it was fun. <laughs> so I have a nice professional poker table in my man cave, and I used to host a game weekly. Sadly, between guys, you know, being affected by the economy or leaving town, the game has kind of basically fallen apart. But in, in the interim, we did get a casino in Pittsburgh, so I still find a way to play. Nice, uh, nice. Not nearly as much as I used to. Uh, but I was actually in Vegas for the summer league this past summer. And that was at the tail end of the World Series of Poker. And I was with a buddy who I go to Vegas with every summer. And nice. uh, we actually – and one of the things with the World Series of Poker is as guys bust out, they tend to go and join cash games. And we were able to get into a few of those and uh, – did okay, not great, not not one of my better Vegas trips, but I didn't come home with a loss. That's at least good enough. That's right. Well, hey, you know when the summit or when the national goes to Atlantic City and everybody's got to kind of go through your area, maybe you got to set up a game, man. Get that table, dust off that table, and get a game. Going. That that or at least you and I can go hit up uh, the Borgata Poker Room. There you go. Exactly. We always joke, man. We're like, I, I, I'm pretty sure a good portion of collectors or some or into gambling in some sort either sports gambling or card gambling uh, yeah 70 percent I mean, um yeah i think that's a fair enough assessment i think everybody kind of a lot of people try to say they collect but i think you know you you can but i think once you you sometimes you get that card that's not for your team you know you're like well right. that's worth a thousand dollars i think i'm gonna you know so you get that uh, that rush of opening up the pack and stuff like that i think that's a pretty fair assessment you made yeah. there for sure. Well, did you watch the Dodgers game last night, man? I I did. Okay. I don't know how anybody on the East Coast stayed up, but uh, yeah. you know, because it was it was uh, late my time. I go imagine your guys' time, but uh, yeah, that was an amazing World Series uh, game, and uh, I'm uh, excited for the next couple games, man. No doubt. Well, t- two two observations on this, and I know you're a Giants guy, so I don't know what your what your allegiance is to the Dodgers outside of being a breaker. So you got to know this stuff, but they better start Max Muncie every game from here on out. Right. <laughs> and, I and know. Why is Walker Bueller so devalued in the hobby? The guy is an, is a machine. I cannot believe I how good this guy's been. Well, you know, it's just pitchers in this hobby for some reason. After Strasburg, I mean, there hasn't been a lot of pitchers in this hobby that have ever had value. I mean, I don't think anybody's willing to – I think everybody got so heavily invested in 2010 with Strasburg that – Yep. You know, and it, and it lost. So it's just like, uh, you know, everybody kind of gravitates toward the hitters, especially after seeing – after strasburg you had harper then you had bryant then you had judge you know so all the you know the success stories of hitters and uh but yeah i mean bueller's chromes i think are like what 160 170 graded i mean there, there's definitely mm-hmm. some 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 room for improvement there and uh 
Yeah, the Dodgers, not a huge fan. Uh, you know, secretly I'm rooting against them, um, but I do want to see a good World Series as well. So Yeah. This <laughs> no, no. Red Sox team is easy to root for. They've got some great storylines and individuals that are fun guys to watch. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and great for the hobby, too. Yeah, 100%. You mean like feeding the poor at 2 a.m.? That's apparently good for the hobby. Is that what you're you're saying? <laughs> <laughs> I, I love that, though. It's kind of like, well, you know, he was trying to do this hidden, but a guy was like with his camera on Instagram. It's like, wait, no, I don't think he was trying to hide that. I think someone wanted him to be found. <laughs> or who was that? Mary Hart doing a gorilla dance on the uh, – I don't know what she was doing during the game, but she got caught doing some kind of funny dance and then immediately got called a crazy old lady. Exactly. So <laughs> – you know, we're really far away from to... entertainment tonight days. Yep, no <laughs> doubt, no doubt. That's well, hilarious. I'm going to have to go back and watch some of this. I missed it all. It'll yeah. take you about nine hours to watch it, so good luck. Yeah, um, right. Yeah, yeah, be prepared. Get a couple of box, uh, bags of popcorn ready for that one. Yeah. So are you uh, – So what time did it actually – what inning did it end in? 18, right? When 18. Whoa. Yeah. I didn't yeah. realize that. Yeah. I, I'm so ashamed to admit I had, I had no idea. Yeah. Well, good. I don't know. You'd be still barely just waking up, I think, at this point. You know what I'm saying? It was such a long game over there on the East Coast. So, <laughs> yeah. wow. so are you uh, are you an NBA guy? Is this kind of a good time I, for you? Yeah, yeah. I'm a Warrior guy. So, yeah, okay. I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm milking it. I'm, I'm all Bay Area when it comes to my teams, Giants, Niners, you know, Warriors, Sharks. But, yeah, it's uh, just been, uh, you know, the pain of the, the – well, the Giants obviously have won three World Series in this decade. But, you know, they've kind of faltered off this year. So, it's been – you know, the Warriors have kind of washed away all those memories and the Niners with Garoppolo getting hurt. But, it, you know, have kind of washed away all the all the all the pain from those other teams. So, right. yeah, no doubt. So th this has got to be one of the, the best times for you then, not just as a breaker, but I mean, as a sports fan, if you love NBA, you, you just can't not like this time of year. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I've I've, I've grabbed up some silver prisms of some guys I like and um you know, I've been excited and pretty much trying to catch every game. I got the league pass and, you know, I've been oh. watching Sixers, Celtics and stuff like that. So I've been trying to, of course, you know, breaking and having a family and having a business and stuff like that is, uh, you know, gets in the way of watching those games. But uh, when I get some time, I love watching NBA. No doubt. No doubt. Well, you, if you've heard any of our podcasts, we love going down the path of NBA and silver prisms and stuff. So when you just mentioned that you're speaking our language, what, uh, what NBA rookies this year have you most excited? Which, which ones you watch the close? <laughs> Um, you know, I'm, I'm kind of heavily invested in Simmons, which, you know, I, obviously everybody is, but, um, I, I, I invested a lot in Lonzo ball. So I've been watching him. I, I, you know, a lot of people hate him because of his, because of his dad, but mm -hmm. you know, honestly, I, I, the skills, uh, the passing skills and the awareness on the court uh, just amazed me last year. So I was like, and then, you know, with the addition of LeBron, I'm like, this, this kid's going to be good. And then this kid's going to feed the ball. So I, I, I invested in a lot of his silver prisms, nine fives and tens at like, like one twenty one thirty. So um, I'm just, you know, hoping to see him do well. And, you know, his shot looks a little bit better this year. And uh, but the awareness on the courts there and, you know, so hoping for the best. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I don't know, man. I don't know. We go back and forth on Lonzo. I just feel like if he was in, in any other city, the guy would be irrelevant. But I, I get it. I totally get yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think his dad has uh, cashed some checks that, you know, his or his dad's mouth has cashed, has put out some checks <laughs> right. that he can't cash correctly yet, you know. But I, I think he is like a younger Jason kid, and I think his shot's going to kind of develop. And I just, you know, compare him to a lot of the other first-year guys coming out of college. And I just, they just don't seem like they're quite there as far as, like, 
passing the ball, playing. I mean, Lonzo's a supreme defender as well. Right. So, you know, I'm just uh, waiting for those 30, 40 point games. And I think the Lakers are going to get by the prediction. I think the Lakers are going to be about fourth or fifth seed or higher when it's all said and done. So, I mean, if you're looking to flip, which I don't know if I'll flip this year, but I think he's going to get a boost come playoff time. I'm just going to ask you that. So you're, you're, you're by now type guy on, on Lonzo ball. Is that what I'm hearing? Um, I mean, I was more by a couple months ago. Yeah. Um, you know, the off season yeah. seems like the prime time, but yeah, I mean, I, I think still, if you can still get some around one twenty, one fifty, yep. you know, I'm thinking that's a good price. Nice, Kuzma. So that's this past year. Oh wait, yeah, Kuzma. I was say Kuzma. Talk, Kuzma the real deal. Kuzma looks good. He really Kuzma does. looks good. Yeah, he's more of a volume shooter. I mean, he's gonna he's gonna throw up. You know, it seems like twenty five, thirty shots a game, and you know, hit ten or fifteen. You know, I mean, right. so Lonzo's. You know, seems more of a team player. I mean, Kuzma's obviously the more flashier scorer right now, but you know, we'll see once both guys kind of develop. And Kuzma, you know, played a lot more in college. I think that's the one of the bigger differences as well. Where Lonzo still would be like a junior in college at this point, so he's still kind of, you know, a little wet behind the ears. Mm-hmm. You know what, guys? I'm really sorry. I hate to do this. I'm getting calls from my cousin, who's a city councilman, and my <laughs> parents don't answer the phone on the Sabbath. There's an active shooter at the synagogue that's around the corner from my parents' house. I'm going there what? right now. I got to go. I'm oh, going Jesus. there right now. I'm going there right now. Oh, crazy. I'm sorry. I got to go. All right. All right. I'm uh wow, I hope the best. That's that's insane. Wow. Okay. Well, you don't hear that every day. No. Wow. <laughs> I, I I hopefully that's just a false alarm or something, you know, no and uh, nothing really goes. Jeez. We'll pull up the news here, make sure everything's good. That's uh there's a lot of craziness going on right now, man, between mail bombs and political stuff. Right. I know it, it is insane. I mean, I try to stay away from the news. I mean, it's just like everything. There's always something going on and it's, it, it's it almost seems like it's clickbait half the time, you know, I mean, totally. it, obviously in this situation, you know, this is his family. This is close to home, but I'm saying in other stories, it's like whatever they can do to get you to click on stuff sometimes. And yeah. You know, my, my my friends and stuff are telling me, oh, he said this or Trump said that or the or the Democrats said this. I'm like, well, read the whole story. First. Right. Right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. No, it's, it's a headline headline reaction. There's no content, no context. It's yeah, I, I totally get it. Do you feel like most of the time people come to your room as kind of a reprieve from politics? absolutely man and yeah we've had some guys that try to talk politics and you know we usually say hey you know this isn't the time and place um you know so yeah i i definitely believe so especially we had we had it a lot during the football you know kneeling when last year and stuff like that a lot of guys were like i'm done watching football and say hey you know hey but you're still collecting it so you know hey just don't worry about it they'll figure it out and so yeah absolutely i think guys do try to kind of get away from all that drama yeah no doubt that's awesome Cool, man. Well, let's, let's talk a few products this week. I know you guys have been sure. busting a whole heck of a lot, and you got 10 breaks scheduled today, so I know you guys are busy. Uh, I guess first, do you guys normally break on Saturdays? Is that, do you have an active Saturday like, like this every weekend? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, we're live seven days a week now, um, probably 100 breaks a, a week. Um, I, myself, I don't work the weekends, but our guy Conrad, he's the, mm-hmm. he's the beast that does Saturday and Sundays, so he, he, he sets his schedule up, and um, he rocks it, man, so... No, it's impressive. One of the things I've always loved about you guys is that you go to the front page, you see the schedule right there. Like you, you there's no, there's no hiding what's going on for the day. I love it. You schedule your life around it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we, you know, we know a lot of our customers. That sometimes we don't have the numbers in the chat. I mean, we'll have like forty or fifty in the chat still, but like a lot of these guys, they base their, you know, hey, I, I'm, I know this is going to break at five, at five o'clock. 
So I'll buy in at 9 a.m. And then when I get home, I'll be able to watch it later. You know what I mean? Yeah. So they'll be able to catch in on the video. Yeah, totally. Totally. All right, man. So prison football came out this week. Uh, hoops basketball. And we, we had archives baseball, I guess, as well. Hobby. What's uh, what stuck out to you? Three good products, I could say, but what's stuck? Out to you? Um, you know, Prism on the silver st- stuck out to me. I, I was able to do about three, four cases before I left yesterday, okay. and um, they're really uh, there's one Prism silver a box, right? So, and it's the whole checklist. So, you know, I think the, in the whole day, we, I think we got one Lamar and one Allen. So, I'm interested. The reason wow. I'm saying this, I'm interested to see what it does on the secondary market. Now, I know it's not going to compare to basketball, so people are like, "Hey, don't think it's going to be basketball," but I mean, I'm thinking that these print runs on these silvers are maybe probably a hundred or less. So whether as last year, they're probably five, six, seven thousand each, right? Because mm-hmm. you're getting one almost every pack. So that's going to be the interesting thing to me for me to follow is that Panini's trying to get away from the memorabilia and auto on this and say, hey, we've got a parallel that should sell. So it'll be something to follow. I mean, the early data, I saw somebody with a Baker Mayfield. They're trying to get a thousand for it. God. So, I mean, you know, you can't take that for what it's worth. I want to see an auction end. That'll kind of give us some early gauge on it. But um, other than that, I thought the product was great. I thought even from the auto standpoint, it was a good balance. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of color in there. Um, I don't know if the price, the price is kind of got, was kind of inflated kind of weirdly at the beginning. Um, I don't know if it's necessarily, you know, it's going to go down or it's going to stay where it's at. But um, I think overall it's, it's a pretty, pretty interesting product to watch. Nice. Yeah. I mean, I tell you, I just, I don't know what to think about football pricing right now. I feel like I, I like what Panini's doing and trying to create some sort of I don't want to, a artificial supply and demand issue, but like they tra- they're they're really trying to do that. They're trying to create some sort of supply issue with silvers. Maybe it's a good direction. Right. I don't know. Yeah, it's you know like that, that's what I said. I'm kind of playing away. I mean, it's it's interesting to me to see that they did that and uh, trying to see how it pl- all plays out at the end. Like, uh, is that going to be a two hundred dollar silver? Because if you look at the Mahomes, a Mahomes graded nine five, I think is like an $89 card, right? Right. So, I think you guys mentioned that so, in your hype, yeah. 90 right. bucks. Right, so 90 bucks. So, so there's, you know, 5,000 of those made. So if there's 100 Baker Bayfields, so, I mean, you know, we'll see. You know, I mean, it should be a two or $300 card minimum, I would say, you know, if I had right. to guesstimate. But the sky could be the limit if somebody decides that those are the ones, you know, a bunch of people decide that they want to chase those and they all bid them up, so. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Well, that's good. So Prism's good, Hoops indifferent it's flagship. um you know for us i mean it, it, you know the the rookies are there um there's good value there i mean I, you know it's, it's it's a lower level price point you're getting like one kind of obscure auto box right like an eric dampier and then you're getting probably a rookie and you know um the rookie checklist is pretty big so i mean when in a case we pulled an ayton um which was nice uh we pulled you know a lot of the may i don't i don't think we got Donchick yet in our three cases that we did but um you know, the, the design's nice mm-hmm. and the value's there for the price point on the box. You know, obviously from a break standpoint, it's a, it's, it's, it's a long break, you know, yeah. there's a lot of base, but so right. it kind of, you know, people are like, you know, coming from immaculate and, you know, flawless is coming up and you're doing that. It's just like, <laughs> you know, I got to have maybe some dancing girls in the background or something, or, you know, <laughs> you got to get Dan maybe, back maybe there. Maybe I, with maybe some... I play an acoustic <laughs> jam while, you know, or something while it's going on. So, you know, you're trying to get, and we, we double cam it too. So we try to go as fast as possible. Oh, jeez. You know, so it's, it's, uh, it's, it's, it, you know, that and, and tops update were kind of like one of the ones that were like, everybody was yawning during. So, right. Exactly. What, what's the craziest thing you guys have done on camera to kind of keep people entertained? 
I've done some karaoke before. Okay. Um, yeah, and, yeah, I usually would pick like some bad songs. Like I'm gonna sing this Britney Spears song until you guys buy spots, you know. But uh, yeah, I like to, I like to, you know, I, I do that loosely, of course, you know. I'm not right. like, you know, ultimately hyped up like some other people are. But you know, I, I, I've uh, I've gone down the karaoke route on a slow night. Fortunately, we haven't had too many slow nights lately, so uh, I haven't had to uh, kill people with my karaoke choices. Yeah. Yeah, well, that is good. I, I think I, I want to say about a year ago, I remember hearing you guys talking about that on one of your podcasts, and you were threatening to do it. And it's uh, that's that's some good leverage. You can use that any way you want. I like it. What? <laughs> yeah, you made a good point though. I mean, I, would you say this is the craziest time you guys have ever had in terms of breaking peak? peak? Yes. Okay. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I think um, you know the combination of all the rookie classes. And I like to think it's the combination of technology finally coming up to this, uh, catching up to this hobby. Because, ah, okay. you know, me, me, and, me and Dan and Conrad and um, I'm, I'm good friends with Rich Layton. You know, we, we talk about it as well. And I, I, my point of view is that, you know, when we started breaking, you know, you had to be on a PC. Right. You know, you had to, you know, it was relatively new. Now I think that, you know, everybody's got smartphones and, and this, this industry is relatively older on the scale of technology. Right. So I think. The ability to have YouTube at your fingertips now mm-hmm. and the ability with push notifications, Twitter and all that stuff on your phone. I think that's also kind of, you know, got everybody into this industry as well and got everybody into the breaking side of things. Yeah, that's a good point. Do you think that's kind of helped build more of a community or do you think it's kind of helped people push it off and watch recordings later on and buy easier? Um, I think a little bit of both. OK. Um, you know, I know a guy, I got guys, you know, I don't advise it, but they're, you know, they're, they're they drive and they're, they're in the break <laughs> and they're chatting. They're, right. they're, they're, they're watching the break while they're driving in traffic and they're chatting. And I'm like, hey, just make sure you pay attention to the road, man. But, you know, so that 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 would obviously you know, you're not gonna be able to drive with a laptop in your lap. So, you know, that's that's obviously changed that. And, um, you know, it, it, you're right. It has, you know, YouTube now, too, you know, compared to we started in 2010. There was a website called Blog TV that everybody yeah. broke on. Yeah. Um, now on YouTube, you can rewind. So, you know, it's, it's, it's even more on demand. So if you're like an hour late to the break, you can just rewind it. So, yeah, that's a good point. which also makes a funny interaction with customers because sometimes they won't realize that they're behind and they'll be answering something <laughs> for like 15 minutes ago. And we're right. like, Hey, you, <laughs> we already answered that. Or right. hey, we already showed that. Or why am I not in this random? Well, you got to fast forward 10 minutes. Oh, okay. <laughs> so are you guys, are you exclusively on YouTube then? Or are you, are you kind of streaming across other channels as well? Uh, we're on Facebook, YouTube, Ustream, yeah. and I think, and Twitch and Breakers, which I think Breakers and Twitch are like ghost towns for us. I mean, we don't even, sometimes I don't even, unfortunately, I don't even pull up the chat window, but, um, you know, Ustream, uh, YouTube are our mains, and then fa- Facebook as well. Nice. Nice. Okay. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I didn't even think about Twitch. Twitch just, that's the video game channel, right? People yeah, have... I mean, we we have a multi encoder, so I just put it in there, and I was like, yeah, all right, not? we'll see, you know. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So if you, if you were to take a step back, as you started, what I want to say, eight years ago, does that sound right? Nine years ago? Yeah, two thousand, uh, the end of two thousand ten. Yeah, yeah, that's crazy. Okay, what's um, what's kind of the more frust, one of the more frustrating mistakes you guys made early on? You wish you could go back and change. Oh, um, you know, I'm always a glasses half full kind of guy so i yep. don't usually <laughs> i usually don't dwell on those um like in terms of like how we broke or yeah what, what's what's something um, you wouldn't maybe maybe change if you could have let big lesson learned um uh soccer breaking soccer i would say right off the top of my dome because i was actually just thinking about um eminent soccer yesterday 
we we were all in on flawless soccer when it came out because we were like, man, Ronaldo on card autos. Um, mm. You know, first time any high end soccer has been on card autos. And we were only allocated like one case from distributors because we don't buy soccer. So we're like, well, how do we get more? And they're like, well, you got to buy two cases of Donruss soccer <laughs> to get the flawless. So I don't know why why we bought 40. So we bought 40 Donruss cases to get oh. 20 flawless cases. Yeah. So it was, uh, I mean, I don't even know how we got through it. I mean, we probably lost like 20K on that whole deal. Just, I mean, I think at the end, the soccer flawless had no buzz at all. I think we wound up opening to the two last cases and just... And just to add insult to injury, almost every case we were opening had a Ronaldo in it in those last two cases. Oh, so. my goodness. <laughs> That's crazy. So, okay, so is that is that the biggest loss you've ever taken on a product? Um, Comes yeah, mind. probably. Yeah, because, I mean, we were we – were, I mean, the Donruss, so it was down to, like, $15 a box or something crazy like that. I think we were in it, in it like, $60 a box. And, you know, and then the Flawless at one point was up, and then it just, like – you know, nobody, we just thought worldwide, you know, it's going to be great, but we didn't have a cultivated soccer market like some of these other breakers do. And, oh, gotcha. you know, you, you got, and people, you know, at the end of the day, even though they're high end hits and they sell, you got to like the sport too. So, yeah, that's, that's a great point. That's a great point. Do you guys, do you guys break a lot of hockey then? I know you had the cup. We do. We, well, we do. I wouldn't say a lot compared to the other sports, but we do, you know, we, we do, we do one or two cases of every product. We did the cup this week. Um, you know, we've done, you know, all the other products. I mean, I would say our basketball, basketball, baseball, and football make up like nine. Like they're probably only hockey only probably makes up like five percent. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Well, I mean, what? There's like seven breakers in the world that do hockey. I feel like so. Yeah, you 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 carve out a little market. You're you're solid. It's all good. Yeah, I mean, I feel like we could have gotten more customers if we've kind of stayed with it and made sure. But we only what we do is we just kind of do like three cases on release day, and then we kind of like. You know, and then with Upper Deck, there might not be another release for like two months. So probably should be like doing more, you know, like right. keep doing more every week, maybe once a week. But it's just like, yeah, you know, so. Yeah, no doubt. So are you uh, are you guys selling internationally? Are you, I mean, assuming you guys do enough NBA, you have yes. a pretty solid international base. How's that? We do. And we ship we ship internationally for free, which is absolutely insane. And it's that FedEx as well. Um, but yeah, we, we have a huge international base in Japan. Um for 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 nba um and you know i mean we've we've sold to like indonesia australia germany i mean everywhere we've got customers all over the world that that participate love it man i love it i can only imagine that's continuing to grow on the nba side and i'm sure as you do nhl and stuff like that you're getting more clients over there so that's that's pretty impressive how, how in the world do you ship for free fedex that like makes no business sense to me uh yes i know it's kind of dumb um <laughs> It may be revamped at one point, so get your orders in now. Right, um, exactly. No, I, I, we, well, what we do is we ship once a week that way. So we, you know, we just hope that you know, for the most part, that these customers are buying into multiple breaks, so that it totally. does weigh it out. Um, we've got a pretty good deal with FedEx. I mean, it's, it, it, that we can ship internationally FedEx with them. Um, so that's what we're kind of kind of doing. And you know, obviously, some people do just buy one break for nineteen dollars, and then we ship it for nineteen dollars, which is pretty dumb, but. You know, that's the that's the cost of, of doing business sometimes. There you go, man. Cracking <laughs> into markets. I, I love it. So so let me ask you something about pricing. Um, so when you guys start pricing for products, what, what do you typically use as a baseline? Um, for PYTs, I mean, I'm kind of a mad scientist at it. I, yeah. I, I don't want to pat myself on the back, but I was one of the first ones to kind of create PYTs that everybody's kind of, you know, followed and trickled down. I mean, I, I keep into consideration the rookies. Um, football's easy because you got the rookie premiere, so you can kind of base it off of that. Right. Same thing with basketball. 
Um, baseball, you usually know the top rookies. And, and then, you know, depending on the product, if you're dealing with flawless, if you're dealing with triple threads, you know there's going to be legends in there. So you kind of try to kind of pr- uh, base it priced on that. And then our site, what I always tell people is it, work, it works as a reverse auction. So, you know, they're going to start at one price, and if they're not in demand, they're going to go down. Right. So they're going to go down. So if you want to, like, wait, you you know, people that wait get smoking deals on, you know, maybe the Rays or the Padres, but, you know, they're, they're great deals that, you know, 11 or $12 for a whole case all base shipped or something because they reversed all the way down until they sold. Right. No, that makes sense. So, so let's take, for instance, prison football. Like you were just mentioning earlier, it came out, it's 2,400 a case, whatever on blowout, any of the major distributors or retailers. Do you use that as a way to say, okay, we need to kind of get in line with the way the retail's pricing no, this product? No, not, okay. not at all. If, if anything, we rebel. Um, I came out at 149 <laughs> on that one, a box. Yep. Um, you know, I just feel like sometimes I... And, you know, and I'm probably fighting the losing fight here, but I, sometimes I feel like there's just like this product I felt like was artificially had some demand to it. Yeah. So, you know, come Monday, maybe the demand will be real when I see, hey, you know, that, uh, everybody's buying these boxes and these cards are selling at this price. But I always hate ahead of time to be like, this product's going to be the best product when, ever when it's like, well, Football Prism always is kind of like a middle of the road product, you know? Right. So. You know, that's so, you know, we did that with Bowman Chrome, too. I think some of the major online retailers were at 169 on a hobby box and we were at 109. So, right, right. You know, which is good margin. So I'm like, I'm not, you know, right. feel bad for me. I'm not, I'm not like <laughs> not able to feed my kids on that price. It's just you guys got to realize how much margin they're making. Yep. So, and I always preach on the show that I feel like it's a funnel effect that they, they can kind of do that and then have distributors sell to them or have distributors not sell to the shops because they see their price and it kind of funnels all the way back up to them or they have everybody just sell to them at that price and then they just have the whole market so that's a great point you know so you know it's obviously my opinion and i don't know if it's fact but you know i i sometimes try to i, I think about the collector because i mean you, like with bowman chrome it's like you know 169 on a hobby boxes you, you used to be able to get three boxes right. at that price right you know what i mean it's like you get two autos and you're going to get two $5 autos sometimes. And that hurts at 160 at 80 or 90, you know, okay. You got some base cards, but you know, you could, you could have bought two, you could have had four, you could have had four autos and maybe one of them was 50 bucks then or something. Right. You know? Exactly. Yeah. So I'm guessing you've gotten to the point now where you have, you have a solid group of customers who will be very vocal to you when you've priced things a little bit out of the market. Is that fair, fair statement? Um, or do you feel like you're yeah, pretty comfortable? Yeah, you know, yeah, I mean, we, we have the price match guarantee on PYTs. I yep. mean, um, some people try to take advantage of it with us, but, you know, we have it on the site so that people can, you know, because sometimes, you know, honestly, you know, we put it up first and then it seems like you can kind of go down the lines of guys that put it up second. It's like $5 less than us. And then the other guy's $5 less than him. And the other guy's $5 less than him, you know. So there's like, oh, you guys are higher price. Well, I'll match them, you know, as long as yep. it's a reputable breaker. But, you know, we don't get it a whole lot because um, I think – you know, with us and stuff, and, you know, once again, I'm not all about patting my stuff on the back, but, I, you know, I think our customers, you know, there's, if you like the breaker, you're going to stick with the breaker. Yep. So there's value in, of course, there's guys that are trying to get the cheapest deal, but, you know, your loyals, your hat, your, they're com- comfortable breaking with you. They know the system. You know, they, they, may, they probably don't even look around. They just take what they want. Yeah. So, and that probably goes across all breakers that break. They have their, their group of clientele. These guys aren't going to go look and try to price match or anything. Right, right. No, absolutely. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. So pull back the covers a bit for us on Mojo because I feel like when I think about Mojo breaks, I think you guys are a well-oiled machine. You got mm-hmm. your stuff figured out. What kind of goes on as a team 
kind of on a day-to-day basis, team meetings, uh, shipping in the morning? What, what's kind of your routine that you figured out that works best for you guys? Uh, we have a full shipping team of four people now. Mm-hmm. Um, so they pretty much, and we have a shipping manager, so they, they pretty much handle, handle that. Um, you know, it's a lot of, uh, making sure we have the product. Um, I, myself, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm dealing with the website. Uh, you know, Dan's dealing with any payroll and, you know, any, any, uh, questions on the website, he does a consignment end and stuff like that. And then, yep. you know, we're all under the same roof. So we're all, you know, communicating on ideas and stuff like that and communicating with shipping and, giving shipping bonuses and, you know, or, Hey, we got to hit these goals and, or, you know, any questions and stuff like that. So that's, that's pretty much it. It's, it's pretty basic really. It's, it's not, uh, anything too crazy. Nice. What, uh, what kind of keeps you motivated to keep doing this eight years in? Um, you know, the cards, the sports, I've always been a huge sports fan. Um, I, I still look forward to the, the day of opening the packs. I mean, there, there is some products, you know, that, you know, like, you know, maybe update that, <laughs> You know, you're going to see me, you know, robotic through the break. You know, I'm gonna be, right. you know, you know, you know, how you, when you drive home and you're like, how did I get home? That's how I do breaks sometimes. So <laughs> what did I just know. open? You have no idea what they yeah, were. Yeah. yeah. Somebody like, hey, did I get did the Blue Jays get a hit? I like, I have no idea. Man. <laughs> like, exactly. You broke it, right? Like, well, yeah, I, I was here. Uh, rewind it. Just rewind it. Okay? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, you know, the love of, uh, of the cards and, and uh, the sport and being able to, you know, Two of my best friends, basically. I mean, Dan. I went to high school with Dan, so you know uh-huh. we we see each other other every day and be able to hang out with him every day. And my other buddy uh, TJ works for us now, so you know it's a it's a good fun environment. And that's you know kind of what keeps me motivated. Beautiful. Your family still supports it, obviously. That's that's a big key. Sounds like wife and yeah, kids. yeah. My wife is awesome. I mean, it's it's sometimes it's hard with the traveling, and you know. Um, you know, we do travel like eight or nine times a year and yep. then, you know, yep. late nights sometimes on new release days, you know, it's like, Hey, it's, you know, it's 10 o'clock, you're not home. I gotta get kids to bed. So she's, she's a rock star. She works herself. So, you know, it's, um, you know, so she's, she's really the, the glue of, uh, of our family. Nice, man. Well, I know it's a Saturday, so we're going to, we're going to blow through a couple of things here in the end. Let's sure. Get to gymnastics. So what, if you were to, if you were to talk to uh tops or Panini today, have them fix something for 2019, what is the one thing that comes to mind? Um, earlier checklist. Okay. So Panini um, for sure then. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, flawless baseball yesterday. I don't even, I don't even know if it's out yet. I yeah, mean, and we were breaking it yesterday. I wanted to see what bat knobs and, and bat plates were in the product and, you know, didn't see it. So, you know, I don't want it a month in advance, but I would like a week in advance. Um, you know, we, we pre-priced teams and then sometimes, you know, that team doesn't have a hit. So we reach out to the customer and say, Hey, you want to refund or, you know, Hey, uh, so, you know, it would definitely help people that sell teams. And I know they, they got to know that's a big part of their business now to have that up. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and you got to think the product planning department has to go by a checklist so that you got to figure it's there. It's just, there's no, I don't know why it's not put on the site for everybody to see. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's in a fa- it's in a manufacturing plant. It's now it's in the shipping department. Like when it's out to heading to the public, we should have a checklist. I feel like, and I know there's a little bit of tra- – there used to be back in the day I felt like there was a transparency thing. Like they didn't sure. want people to be like, oh, Soto's not in there. I'm not buying a box, you know. Right. You know, so I think they used to leave it up to the imagination of people that pre-ordered and they didn't want people to cancel their pre-orders. But I'm like, now everything sells, so why does it matter? You right. Know? Exactly. I would say like in 2012, there was like 2012 Finest or, or no, 2012 Bowman Platinum where they actually had a pre-sale checklist and then they changed like 20 of the guys. People were pissed, right? Mm-hmm. And um, the, after that, they stopped putting out checklists way early. 
So I think they mm. got burned on that. Like they had Jamison Tay in there and then he wasn't in there. And people were like, well, I bought boxes for this guy. It's like, well, you didn't sign. So we didn't put him in there. And we put on the checklist that to be determined, you know, anything can change. And the people are like, well, you still had it on there. And, you know, so I think after that for tops, they stopped doing it. Right. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, that is frustrating. I was looking back when you and I had a conversation two years ago and I had I put an interview up there on our, our site. I was actually looking back to the notes. The one thing you said to fix two years ago was get us checklist earlier. So apparently oh, it's, geez. it's not working. Wow, we're, not, we're not vocalizing this enough. <laughs> <laughs> I am uh, I am becoming a get off my lawn guy with these uh, yeah. these things. <laughs> no, no, it's funny. We we asked Tracy Hackler about it a couple weeks ago. He just kind of laughed and, and you know, he, he can't change that up. He's a, he's yeah, a and I, I know that's a that that could be hard and challenging on on certain aspects, but right. I mean, I think it's just gonna it it would help them. It would help them sell. Now I feel like I should have another complaint since I've used that same one. Um, <laughs> yeah, come on, give, uh, give us something new. Um, I mean, um, easier. I mean, on the on the aspect of the Panini rewards, I, I you know I think there should be a better system for that. Um, you know, Panini Rewards has been kind of a, a, of, a of a downer. Mm-hmm. Um, there's never been anything good on there. Um, obviously, it seems like it's a it's a it's a program for them to make money on because if you do the math, if there's one every case and there's twenty, you know, you can see that they're able to make extra twenty or thirty cases. I mean, they pitched it back in the day that it's going to replace you know redemptions, but there never seems to be anything good on the reward site. So it's like, I don't know right. if all those good things are getting bought up real quick. Yeah. You know, we're not seeing them. Maybe there needs to be a lottery process or something, or maybe there needs to be packs on there or something, mm-hmm. you know, cause nobody wants to buy, you know, unfortunately Sean Mannion or something like that on the reward site. Right. But maybe if you put a pack of um, prism up there, then people will use the rewards on that or something. Right. I don't know. No, I think it's yeah. a great idea. The, the novelty of that wore off, I feel like, in like two weeks of that thing coming out. People just don't care about it anymore. But. Yeah, if anything, it's, I mean, in a live feed, it's just a straight bummer. You know, it's totally. like, oh, you know, it's, 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 you know, it's replacing a hit. It's, you know, and then people are probably like, it was, was that my card that they replaced? And, right. you know, that stuff. Right, exactly. Cool, man. All right, a little rapid fire for you before you get out to sure. the gymnastics class with the fam. Yep. Uh, <laughs> So stream of conscious, man, whatever comes to mind, just let me know. Uh, sure. Favorite industry event of the year in the hobby. Top transcendent. Okay. Uh, longest time straight that you've been awake. Oh, breaking or just in general? In general. Yeah. <laughs> um, probably no more than 20 hours to be honest. Oh, that's impressive actually. i like my sleep man when my brain stops working i just i crash out i mean i'll fall asleep in a movie so you're done (laughs) nice all right what's uh what's the one piece of advice that your parents gave you that's kind of stuck with you um there's people starving in ethiopia so you should should eat all the food on your plate (laughs) (laughs) hey first thing that came to mind man i love it that's going on a wall somewhere let's do it um you pick one product to break the rest of your year, or your rest of your career. What product are you breaking? Um, immaculate basketball. Nice, guaranteed to sell out. Uh, what product? I is... just like the variety. I think I like the variety. I, I get yeah. bored with products that have like three subsets. You know what I mean? Like I like, I like products that have a deep subset. You just never know what's going to happen. Yep. Yep. I'm with you. That's that's a great product. What's the product that's kind of a sneaky valuable for your customers that most people don't think of? Um, 
honors football from 2016. Hmm. Interesting. Um, okay. A lot of a lot of good good names in that. It seems like it's readily available for one of our distributors. Um, so we go back to the the well on that one a lot. Um, and uh, we also sometimes go back and like do like 2011 prime signatures football mm-hmm. or uh, 2012. We used to do 2012 prime signatures, and it's like a 30 box case, cheap break, and people love it. That's a good one, man. What do you mean with all that? Favorite yep. show to watch with your four or five year old? Um. Word party on Netflix right now. Nice. Okay. All right. What uh, what TV character do you remind yourself of? Oh man. Um. That's a tough one. Kevin Smith from Mallrats. I don't know. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Silent Bob. There uh, you go. Uh, somebody called me that one time. I mean, I've lost some weight now, but uh, I remember I was going into a uh, Jamba Juice and I had a hockey jersey on and a backwards hat. And, you know, I was 40 or 50 pounds heavier. And somebody was like, hey, you look like Silent Bob. Well, thanks. thanks nice. For that. Based on weight or based on Right. Juice, you know? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Uh, you just mentioned Jamba Juice, man. What's What do you walk in and order at Jamba Juice? I, I wish we had those in Kansas City. We just- I used to, after the gym, I used to get a, a PB and protein. It was like uh, Ooh, peanut butter nice. and uh, banana. It was, uh, it was really good. And then I saw it, it was like 700 calories. And I was like, well, that's probably not healthy, but right. it was really good. So you're like, you're like drinking a Chipotle burrito basically. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. A blended Chipotle burrito. Nice. Uh, how fast can you throw a baseball? Uh, 69 miles an hour. Oh, on the dot. I love it. No, no. <laughs> I remember, I remember this cause I, I pitched a little bit in high school and, uh, you know, you go to those radar things and you're trying to beat everybody. And uh, I think it was two years ago. I think I, I got like, you know, 69 and then my arm, 68, 69. And then my arm was like hurting for, you know, seven days straight. Exactly. So. C- couldn't even open a pack of cards. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> nice, man. Well, Doug, I appreciate it. Mojobreak.com. You guys are an icon in the industry. Looking forward to, to, to doing this again and getting on your show and making it work. But really appreciate you jumping on today. Enjoy your fam. Absolutely, man. Honored to be on. And we'll uh, we'll have to get you guys to come on our show as well. And uh, we'll chat it up. Right on. There you have it. Uh, so awesome conversation with Doug. And obviously, uh, we're going to hang tight and see what's going on with Shani. And, and uh, we'll be sure to update everyone on Breaker Culture's Twitter feed. And uh, we'll probably come out with a follow-up podcast to discuss whatever, uh, whatever the situation was with Shani. So we'll talk soon. Thanks for joining us today. All right, I hope you enjoyed that interview with Doug. I thought it was great, and you're going to enjoy this second half here with Shani in a second. Before you do, let me talk to you about the most underappreciated item on your grocery list this week, and that is your coffee. You're going to walk into the grocery store. You're likely going to grab a bag that's sitting there for 45 days or longer, wasn't roasted for you, and you're going to purchase it for maybe 10 bucks, maybe a little more, maybe a little less, and you're not going to think much about it. You're just going to drink that stuff throughout the week and be okay. Well, let me tell you, you don't have to be okay anymore. You can be absolutely okay by going to dubscoffee.com. That's D-U-B-B-S coffee.com and getting yourself some of the freshest roasted coffee ever delivered to your mailbox. $12 a bag every single day. You can even get two bags for 24 bucks with free two-day shipping. It's literally, I mean, it's, it's incredibly easy. You go to the site, you order your bag, they roast it for you the next day, and then you get two-day shipping right to your door. And I mean, when you open up the box, it smells so amazingly fresh because it is that fresh. Um, 
single origin beans for almost all their coffees, USDA organic for almost all their coffees, um, fair trade for almost all their coffees. Uh, guys, it's real flavor because it's real fresh, natural coffee. It's a great experience and you can't beat the price. So can't recommend them enough. Dubscoffee.com. Uh, you can even get 50% off your second bag if the deal wasn't good enough just by entering code BREAKERCULTURE on their site. You can even find them on eBay now. Use your eBay bucks. Go to eBay and type in Dubs Coffee, two words, and you'll find Dubs Coffee there uh, all for, for you to purchase. So lots of ways for you to purchase. eBay, Amazon, DubsCoffee.com. Back to the show. All right, Shani, man, how you doing? I'm doing. So we're uh, we're two days removed from what what went down on Saturday, and obviously for those that are going to hear the first half of this, they're going to hear a conversation with you and I and Doug from Mojo Break, and uh, and you having to to bust out rather abruptly. Do you want right. to just pick up from there and tell us kind of what happened on Saturday? And sure. Uh, so by now. Uh, the whole world knows that there was a, a, a hatred-filled, racist-motivated shooting in the Jewish community, which is Squirrel Hill in Pittsburgh, where I was born and raised. My wife was born and raised. And I live on Shady Avenue in Pittsburgh, which is the same street as my parents, just about a mile and a half down the road. And my parents live literally a less than 300 yards from the tree of life synagogue where the shooting happened. So while we were talking on Saturday in the podcast, I got a text from my wife saying there's an active shooter situation at the tree of life. And as you guys were talking, thankfully it was the two of you talking at that moment. I read that and processed it. And in a matter of no more than 30 seconds, I thought to myself, well, this is happening at the moment. My parents live right there. My parents are very religious, and in the Jewish faith on the Sabbath, they would not be watching TV or listening to the radio, nor would they answer any any phone calls. If I had tried to reach out and say, "Hey, guys, you know, lock your door and go somewhere safer in the house," mm -hmm. so knowing that there would be no way for me to contact them and potentially help them be safe, other than getting over there quickly, I had to make a quick determination that I had to tell you guys that I had to get out of there. Which, out of in, here. in hindsight, was obviously the right decision. I mean, there's no doubt about that, my gosh. So no you, you ran directly over there? In fact, here's how right the decision was. I jumped in my car and flew. I was, I, I'm lucky I didn't get pulled over. Um, obviously, now I know that Every cop within a pretty wide radius wasn't going to give a shit about me driving poorly <laughs> or dangerously because they were headed to the shooting. And I got there pretty quickly, so quickly, in fact, that the shooting was actually still happening when I arrived. And I parked very quickly and even illegally and jumped out, I actually was walking up really running up to my parents' house as my cousin was. My cousin's a city councilman in the city of Pittsburgh, and he was arriving on scene not just to check out my family, but also because police precinct is right around the corner from their house, which is also 
obviously very close to the synagogue. Mm-hmm. So he just very quickly checked on <clears throat> my house, my family's house, I should say, and then said a quick few words to me and continued on. I obviously got in there and realized my mother was the only one home. And at this point, she's obviously freaking out. But I calmed her down and just said, just relax, go somewhere comfortable, read a book or something, try to your best to take your mind off of it. Um, I realized quickly also, I thought I had seen my sister. And my cousin explained to me, yeah, she was just here with her baby in the stroller and her one of her other children you know, in her arms. And instead of turning around to come back to my parents' house and be safe, she decided to run. She was already headed out to go meet her husband and the other children for lunch somewhere and decided I really want to be with them, which obviously I understand a little bit. At the same time, you're leaving your mother alone and you're putting yourself and at least least these two children that are with you at risk. So Mm -hmm. a little, you know, but but people don't always make good decisions in these moments and can think a bit irrationally. So I'm not chastising her for it, but I thought it was a bad decision. I even screamed from down the street, get back here. She didn't listen. At that point, the second, third, fourth, and continuing on wave of responders were arriving, and it was probably a steady stream of sirens and vehicles coming through that intersection for, I mean, a solid 45 minutes to an hour nonstop. Uh, Five, six different SWAT teams from around the greater Pittsburgh area. Uh, state troopers, FBI, the intersection was closed off. Actually, the perimeter started at my parents' house. And and then soon after, you started to see helicopters. Something I had never seen before was the, these kind of larger sized drones that were being used for camera angles that were buzzing pretty loud right above us. Um, reporters setting up on every corner, even in the middle of the street. And like me, another two, three dozen people that lived either either lived right there or walked from nearby to be close and try to get as much information as they could. I stood as closely to a number of policemen and reporters to try to get as much information as I could by just listening mm-hmm. either to the policeman's radio or to what the reporters were saying when they went on air. Right. And as you can imagine in those first 15, 20 minutes, half an hour, even the reports were coming through and, you know, it was hard for even the police to sift through what was real, true and, mm-hmm. and, and versus what was you know rumored. And, you know, we were hearing anything between 4 to 12 dead. And we were really concerned about whether or not children were involved because there was a a brit mila or in a bris is also kind of the term used. What that is is uh, a ritual baby naming for an infant boy at, at, at their eighth day. Mm. Um, and that is the kind of event, you know, like a communion or a baptism where it's a party and you would invite 
a mm-hmm. lot of friends and family. So not only would the congregation of Tree of Life be there for the Sabbath services, but that event was happening. And in addition, the Tree of Life is a pretty big space, and they're known to rent out some of their space for other congregations that may not currently have a brick-and-mortar building to to conduct their own services in. Mm -hmm. So at any given time, there have been as many as three congregations in that same building. And then, like I said, on that particular day on Saturday, there was also that party. Right. And uh, uh, obviously your mind starts to race and you're thinking about all the things that could be going on. You're starting to, I was starting to think about the people that I know that are members and would commonly go there. Um, so we should have backed up at the beginning anyway. I mean, I'm just, is your family okay? You're Oh yeah. Thanks okay. For asking. All um, right. My father showed up about 15, 20 minutes after I had mm-hmm. and told my mother and I that everyone else headed in an opposite direction toward a friend's house for lunch and that we would probably not see them for the rest of the day. They were just going to camp out over there. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that was that. Um, so, so timeline perspective. So when you busted out, you know, Doug and I, this was so fresh that Doug and I both kind of, and you'll probably notice this in the first half of the podcast, we were kind of obviously a little flustered and trying to figure out what exactly was happening. It was so fresh. We looked it up online and couldn't even find it. Like it, it was, it was literally yeah. just happening. Um, and so, I mean, so I think you arrived with it's... gunshots, right? You arrived yeah. there. Okay. Yeah. So that, that you're, you're correct. And in, in even asking about the timeline, because it is crazy that somehow, and I still haven't even asked my wife for some reason, how she found out so quickly which obviously gave me the opportunity to know that it was happening. And I was there. So, so my text, I look back at the text I got from my wife. I got that text at 9.58 from the media. The timeline is kind of being shared at this point, and they're saying he walked into the building at 9.54. I don't know how it's possible that she found out in four minutes other than that. She has a lot of friends and yeah, pe- people talk quickly and won't, you know, I, I don't know how to answer that question. I've asked it my, myself. It's crazy. I was there by nine, excuse me, 10 Oh one at 10 Oh one. They, I mean, mind you, I do live right. really less than a mile away. And I have a car that goes pretty fast, you know, and I was flooring it. I was headed in that direction already. A lot of the people that were driving were kind of driving slow and to the right, and I took advantage of that. I just flew by them. And at 10.01, I still heard a gunshot. I heard one gunshot. Um, and I suspect that that was potentially from – a first responder and not the actual shooter, but who knows? Interesting. And, uh, yeah. So from that point forward, I stayed at my parents' house for the rest of the day. I didn't come home till probably around four o'clock and it was around four o'clock that they finally kind of started to break down the intersection and, um, 
tightened their perimeter to just the area around the synagogue. Right. I actually tried to take a walk. At one point, you couldn't walk past the intersection where my parents' house is. But then I was able to. But the very next intersection is the intersection where the synagogue is. And I was able to get to basically the back of the synagogue where a state trooper stopped me. And yeah, so like I said, they tightened the perimeter, but the perimeter was definitely still very clearly defined. And uh, and obviously at that point, there's media still milling around. I was interviewed by an Asian television station. MSNBC called me on my phone. And I, by the way, I'm not sure I told you this yet. I believe the, the reason why MSNBC even found me was because of your tweet saying this is what happened today and Shani was on the phone with us and had to run. I think that's why MSNBC had any idea that I was even nearby because the way MSNBC found me was by tweeting me and I and you know obviously at, at some point responded and then they called me and interviewed me on air live and like I said I spoke to the Asian television and a local radio station and there were probably three dozen people that live within walking distance of that intersection that were just constantly being interviewed that were willing to talk. And right. Media just kept asking the same people because they just needed what they could get. Right. And, uh, it's, wow. Yeah. It's crazy. Insane. I mean, it's obviously insane. Even yeah. processing it now is insane to think uh, about. It's still very much hard. I mean, I, I'm just as much confused than I am anything else and numb. Obviously, I've experienced sadness and I've shed more than my fair share of tears. And I've been very angry, extremely angry. Um, and as a parent, obviously thinking about my kids and, and not only how this would affect them in terms of their knowing that something like this happened so close and affecting their community, but right. also in terms of the whole anti-Semitic and hate-filled aspect of it all. Mm -hmm. and they know they my kids are you know young, but they're very aware that they're Jewish, and um, I think they've already developed a certain sense of pride in that. And you know now it's like, wow, what what is this? Just because I'm a Jew, I can potentially be affected by someone who hates me. I don't, you know, that's that's not easy for a twelve-year-old or a nine-year-old to process. Mm -hmm. I'm not even sure it's easy for me as a 44, 43, 44-year-old guy to process. Right. No, I, I agree. I mean, yeah, I mean, this goes on daily in terms of racial and religious hate. But when it's isolated like this and it's this drastic, it I mean, it, it sends shivers down the nation's spine, I feel like. So which brings up a good question. I mean, how how do you feel like your community is responding to this? Is there a lot of like frustrations, obviously, but is there more hate or more remorse or what's kind of the response i'm actually very impressed and and filled with hope and and um what's the word i'm looking for uh, well, with the response that i'm seeing i take a lot of pride mm -hmm. even more than i already had you know me on the podcast and our listeners know i'm a pittsburgh homer I love my local teams, but more than that, I love Pittsburgh. I've 
I was born and raised here. My wife was born and raised here. When we were living in Ann Arbor, Michigan, and we found out we were pregnant with our first child, there wasn't even a conversation. Honestly, I don't even think Jenny and I sat down to talk about, okay, we're pregnant. We got to get away, figure out how to get home. We just did it. We just put it in motion and did it because we knew we always wanted to raise our kids here, not just in Pittsburgh, by the way, but in Squirrel Hill particularly. Because Squirrel Hill is one of the very few Jewish communities in the nation that has not left the city. Squirrel Hill is very much still part of the city of Pittsburgh. Not So, so in other words, the suburban flight that has affected most Jewish communities in larger cities around the country has not really affected the Pittsburgh Jewish community. Mm-hmm. There are some suburban Jewish communities here, but the bulk and the lion's share and the the real active part of the community is here in Squirrel Hill in, you know, three miles in, from on the highway from downtown Pittsburgh. So if, if you happen to jump on any social media platform and to just, just typed in Squirrel Hill, you'd see people I know, people I don't know that are from Squirrel Hill writing these long pieces about how much pride and love they have for their community. And I get a sense that people are emboldened by this and that their sense of pride and loving and caring for their community is only strengthened the sense of the, the how offended people are that someone had the audacity to come into our community and try to hurt us has i think created that kind of bonding situation. I've taken a couple of walks just to take my dog out and I see people holding their head up and making an effort to make eye contact and greet one another. And again, in terms of what I'm reading from what people are putting out there in social media, um, I can sense it's palpable in what they're sharing. It's the sense of pride and love for this community because it's truly a wonderful community. It really is. Ask anybody you'll ever meet from Pittsburgh about Squirrel Hill, or if they happen to be from Squirrel Hill, in fact, you'll hear the same thing. It's not just me. I'm not special with this type of attitude about where I I was born and raised. Mm-hmm. This is not unique for someone who's from Squirrel Hill. This yeah. is all of us. So, I think it's, and by the way, yeah, go ahead. I'm wondering from your perspective, hearing me say that, because I find that to be something so unbelievably special, mm-hmm. I, 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 I'm blown away, quite honestly, by it. I really am. You're blown away by the, re- the response? Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Okay. By, by, yeah. by people being emboldened and their sense of love and pride for this community being strengthened and, um, and the things that people have written so beautifully and eloquently and they've shared publicly. It's just it's, – it brings you to tears. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think in those situations, especially ones that are this drastic, I mean, you have really two choices. One, you can respond in hate, and it becomes contagious in the wrong way, or you can respond in love and grace. And right. from what I've seen, and obviously conversations with you, it, it is pretty mind blowing. It's a, it's a it's a credit to, I guess, the grace that all you guys have experienced, and you're able to show it to the world. In a, in a totally different light. So I think it's pretty, pretty amazing to see. On a different note, I think it's important to share 
that this, despite all of the anti-Semitism that has plagued the world and the Jewish community around the world for as long as history has been recorded, this is actually, and, and most people probably know this, but I'm going to repeat it because it's important. Mm-hmm. The worst atrocity committed against the Jewish community in the U.S. in history, which I can't believe. It blows my mind. Right. Yeah, when I saw that, I couldn't believe it either. It's weird because on one hand, you can't believe it because you assume there would have been something worse. Right. Just kind of obviously a horrible way to think about it. At the same time, it is here. It is us. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of of like a knife in the gut, you know. Mm -hmm. It's hard to take. (sighs) Yeah. So, so, I mean – you're obviously, I don't know how much you can share, but you're going to be interviewed a few more times coming up on some different TV stations, it sounds like. what What is the general vibe and, I guess, context of those conversations? What's the media responding with? Well, so initially it was, what kind of information do you have that we may not have learned from so far away? You know, when I talked to NBC right. initially, right. Um, they, they wanted to see if I had any information that they didn't. And then they also wanted to get some information from me about a particular individual that had been shot that I'm not necessarily close friends with because they put that up there. That was a little bit awkward for me that they were saying it was my close friend. I have a close friend, really one of my best friends, whose cousin was shot, and she is going to survive. She's doing actually pretty well at this point. Oh, that's great. Sadly, her mother was one of the people that was killed, and this woman is in her 90s and survived the Holocaust to come and live out her days in Pittsburgh and raise her family in Pittsburgh to then be killed by a hateful anti-Semitic individual. She survived the Holocaust, but yet still in her nineties was killed by an anti-Semite. That is just hard to wrap your head around. Yeah, it really is. But, uh, and and then yesterday, the NBC affiliate from D.C. came to my home, and we talked about there were two brothers that were both killed, uh, and I knew both of them, but I knew one of them even better in particular, this guy named Cecil. They were both mentally challenged, but they spent all of their days in the Jewish community in some form or fashion. Hmm. Um, Cecil was at the Jewish Community Center every single time I've been there. <laughs> I, I would see him in the hallways or working out or helping out with some type of event of some sort. And, uh, you know, just a sweet, sweet guy that would say hi to everybody. And at the synagogue, he kind of took on a role. He was like the self-proclaimed shusher, meaning he would walk around. And if people were talking too loud during the service, he would shush you, <laughs> and it be it, you know it, he had done it for the better part of forty five years or more, and it, it, it was endearing. You know, not not something that annoyed people. I think people loved it. And this, our shusher is gone. It's really really sad. Hmm. And just to think that these two sweet men that were both suffering from mental challenges that prevented them from being able to hold the job, but the community really gave them right 
an identity and and a, and a place and um to not see them around anymore is going to be very strange hmm. yeah i mean i think the silver lining is you, you get to see some incredible stories come out of all this and the way like people were being used and 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 uh serving and i think it's going to be incredible to see those stories coming out so i'm sure you'll be yeah. you'll be at the heart of some of those and you'll be able to share some as they come out but so at three o'clock, I'm actually headed back up to the synagogue mm-hmm. where MSNBC has come to town and they're setting up like a makeshift studio outside of the synagogue. And I'm going to be uh, one of I think they have a panel of a few people that are going to be talking about the, uh, the, 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 the people that were killed. Wow. I think I'll be talking about Cecil again. And um, I'm sure they'll have at least one person talking about each of the victims. Mm hmm. Very cool, man. Well, obviously, I, I personally, my family and I, we stopped immediately and, and we're spending the morning kind of praying for you guys. We're super glad to hear you guys are safe and your family and I love you for more than just sports cards and <laughs> glad to hear everything worked out on your end, but also glad to hear that you're being a spokesman for your community. And I know you're, you're a man with uh, eloquent words. And I think it's really good that you're speaking on a lot of people's behalf and wish you the best today. And we love you, brother. I appreciate it, man. I really do. Yeah. All right. Uh, Anything else you want to say? You good? You know what? I, I, I would just say this. I Obviously, out of this, a lot of conversations do happen about anti-Semitism and hatred. And in a conversation that I had with the reporter from MSNBC DC, I asked him on air, you know, have you ever experienced anti-Semitism yourself? And he mm-hmm. said, I'm not Jewish. I said, that doesn't matter. <laughs> you may have. And actually, I would probably argue that you have. And most people have. Because you've heard someone say something like, I Jewed him down. Or you've heard someone say something that is akin to a Jewish stereotype that they might just truly think is a joke. Mm-hmm. And even if a Jew around them had heard it, even potentially that person wouldn't be offended and would have thought of it as a joke. Um, but it's these times that we have to talk about what it means to be confronted with anti-Semitism, with hate. It's not always in the shroud of a man walking into a synagogue to shoot and kill. And we have to guard our words guard our actions and consider other people's feelings uh, on a daily basis Mm -hmm. and do what we can when there's an opportunity to stand up for someone and that someone doesn't have to be a minority, but you know, especially in those cases, because there's no way to eradicate the world of this kind of hatred without every single person taking it upon themselves and looking for the opportunities to stand up and accept those moments as motivation for action. And that's that, that that would be all I feel that I need to say about anti-Semitism and hatred. It's not worth it to spend a lot of time talking about what anti-Semitism is or what hatred is. It's more important to talk about what can each of us do. And it's simple. It's not, some 
huge task that you have to figure out and take upon yourself. It's about everyone chipping away in a small personal effort. So that's, I just, I just wanted to say that for people to hear and, and consider and, and potentially take with them as they listen to this and, you know, continue on in their daily lives. And if they, if they come across an opportunity, don't let it pass you take, take the opportunity head on. That's all. Well said. Beautiful. Thanks, man. All right, man. Good luck today. Appreciate it.